are now listening to a very special message from Joy Community Church. It is wonderful to see you. It's great to be here. What a delight to be here on this very happy and holy evening. It's wonderful that you came out despite this uh, crazy weather, so we're glad you're here. We're going to be talking tonight about the sounds of Christmas. So I was hoping right off that you could help me by sharing some of your favorite Christmas sounds with me. So just call them out in two or three words. What are some of your most delightful Christmas sounds? Carols? Ringing bells. <laughs> okay. What else? Oh, good one. Cookie timer. What else? Children rapping. Others? Laughter. What's that? Oh, that's a beautiful one. Sleigh bells. Awesome. Thank you for sharing those. Some of mine are music boxes, muffled laughter about secrets to come, the wooden whir of my grandmother's rolling pin as she rolled out Lebkuchen, love cakes for us, church bells, the sound of packages that I may or may not have been shaking, <laughs> and the welcome clang of the mailbox as it announced Christmas cards from dear ones. And then there's that lovely smack, that sound of a snowball hitting a target. The hi-fi playing, I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning while my sisters and I whirled around in our crinoline dresses. These are all wonderful sounds. Hearing sleigh bells still transports me back to a day when my Aunt Millie loaded us all into a one-horse open sleigh for the ride of our lives. And then there's the sound of the clacking skates when we'd all line up, hold hands, and skate all the way across the bay and back with the wind whistling, singing with my sisters until one of us invariably got the lyrics very wrong. <laughs> As when someone sang with gusto, like a limestone cowboy instead of a rhinestone cowboy. Or the round young version. Or crazy Mother Mary became crazy Mother Mary. <laughs> so we'd all dissolve into peals of laughter. And then, of course, we'd have to keep singing it the wrong way just to rib the one who had gotten it wrong. These sounds are delightful Christmas sounds. Each one of them is a gift from the Lord to open and reopen throughout the years as we reminisce. Don't you just love that? I love thinking about the sounds of Christmas. Sometimes the sounds of Christmas are softer and more muted sounds, but still impactful. A whispered prayer of thanks that our baby brother lived through a crisis at birth earlier that year the rustle of older hands helping younger hands with wrapping paper, the quiet crunch of snow under our feet as we returned home one Christmas Eve, that holy hush with icy, icy crystal clear skies, 
and stars like diamonds on navy, navy blue velvet. And heaven touching earth was just palpable. The really amazing thing is that six little girls could be quiet enough to even notice it. That's the Christmas miracle. The gentle tone of my mother's voice helping me recite prayers as the rocking chair softly sighed. But my all-time favorite quiet sound of Christmas happened one Saturday morning just before the 25th. I was just a small girl then and a curious child in more ways than one. Now, does that surprise any of you? No, no I didn't think so. I kept hearing the phrase, the spirit of Christmas, and I didn't know what it meant. I wanted to know, so I asked my second oldest sister, Jan. She was old enough to have answers and patient enough to entertain my questions. The only problem was she was headed out with my dad to do errands that day. And so I persisted, what's the spirit of Christmas? And she gave me a very wise reply. She said, here's what I need you to do. While I'm gone, sit quietly under the Christmas tree and think about what we're celebrating. Look at the nativity set and think about how Christmas started. I'll bet by the time I get back, you'll be able to tell me what the spirit of Christmas is. So I did. And while I quietly sat there, I not only got my answer, but Christmas grew exponentially in me. So tonight, as an older sister, I invite you to join me under the Christmas tree, so to speak, to share some quiet reflections about the spirit of Christmas. Over the past few weeks, we've had some characters uh, in the activity shared about We've already discussed them, how Joseph's questions turned to obedience, how Mary magnified the Lord and Zechariah prophesied. And tonight I'd like to bring forth a few more of the key players. So turn with me, if you would, to Luke 2, starting at verse 1 and going to verse 20. And this is a very familiar passage, but as we read it, see if you can listen for the sounds of Christmas. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of David and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were angels, there were shepherds, excuse me, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. 
born to you, he is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So the first set of characters that we're talking about tonight are the shepherds, and that's represented by the shepherd's crook. If I can do this without knocking things over. The shepherds. And they represent uh, several things for us, but the main thing that I want to highlight to you is the sound of the ordinary. We kind of think of shepherds in a romantic way, sort of through the lens of a Hallmark movie. They just kind of sit there petting sheep all day, singing to them. If a sheep stumbles, the shepherd just catches it in its arms, and just a life of ease and bucolic beauty. That's how we picture it. But in reality, these guys were rough. They had rough manners, rough clothes, and they didn't smell like aqua de jour. They had a rough life. They were also tired. Think of how tired you get if you camp for just a day or two. Well, this passage says these guys lived out there. No creature comforts, and they worked 24-7. They were poor, as many people were at this time. I just found out, I didn't know this, but approximately 50% of the people in that area at that time were enslaved. That's poverty within poverty. These shepherds were powerless, trapped in a dead-end job. They weren't even allowed to testify in court. They had no power whatsoever. They were disrespected and despised, looked down on by all. If we lived then, we'd look at them and say, what a hot mess. God looked at them and said, that's it. That's the group. Perfect. These are the people that I want to give the honor of being first to be told about this great news. Not the elite, the lowest in man's eyes. God gave Jesus the mission of going to the very edges of the kingdom so that none would be lost. Verse 10 says that this good news would be for all the people. Say that with me, all the people. That was revolutionary at that time. Not just the rich, not just the privileged, not a certain class, not a certain race, not a certain sex, not a certain age, all the people. This good news would be for all of us all the people then and now. 
because those same adjectives could be used of us today. Many in this room have had a year that's been rough. Am I right? Have you talked to anyone lately that said, I'm tired? Yeah. Have you come across anyone who's poor, maybe financially, maybe in a hundred different ways? I have. Have you felt powerless, disrespected, or despised? The shepherds were all these things, but they weren't disqualified for the miraculous, and neither are you. Just maybe you're the sort of person that the Lord wants to reveal himself to in a special way. He delights to show up in the ordinary. So tonight, when you think of the sounds of Christmas with me, don't only think about the Hallmark movies. Don't only think about the fancy folk and the pretty people. Think also of ordinary sounds of very ordinary people. Lucado says, God dances amidst the common. And that night, he did a waltz. Make it a point to listen for God even in the mundane mangers of your life. Some of you know I've been um, recovering from three surgeries on my knees and several complications and attending physical therapy. And I wanted to tell you about this one maneuver at the end of every session. Whoops, I'm knocking stuff off. It's really something to behold. I'm rigged up like a pirate ship with a strap which bends my leg until I can't bear the pain. Then you're supposed to hold it and then do it over and over again. And on the 20th time, these two PTs step up to manually push my leg even further. Usually it's these two huge guys who look like they've just stepped out of a Marvel comic book. And I've dubbed them Torque and Twister. <laughs> they're, they're part superhero, part villain, and they bear down on my leg with all of their six-foot, umpteen-inch size. And I'm a tough bird, but can I tell you, this is beyond pain. Well, one day they'd completed this torture, I, I, mean, I mean this treatment, <laughs> And I was catching my breath, and my brow was drenched. I couldn't even see straight. And Torque, the lead PT, says to me, Greta, you know, it's just pain. <laughs> it's just pain. Now, in his defense, what he meant was they weren't ripping or breaking anything. Okay, so that's good news, but it's a little consolation at a time like that. And you say, so why are you telling us this, Pastor Greta? I mean, this is way too much information. This is like, uh, and have yourself a merry little Christmas. Isn't this cheery, you know, talking about pain and all these contortions, right? But I'm telling you this for a reason. Because I'm so glad that when God looked down, at mankind, and he saw our plight, he didn't just shrug his shoulders and say, it's just pain, no big deal. 
They're without help and without hope, trapped in sin with no chance of rescue, no future, but oh well, it's just pain. I see that poverty, loneliness, and despair are pressing in on them, but that's just life. I can read the agony and emptiness from loss of loved one after loved one after loved one buried in a grave, wondering if that's the sum total of their days, if that's all there is, no hope of seeing their loved ones again. And after the funeral, everyone goes home and eats potato salad. It's just pain. Get over it. All sorts of pain, excruciating pain, writhing pain, but it won't last. It's just pain. God didn't look at people's helplessness, hurt, and heartaches and say, stinks to be you. When the Lord looked at mankind, he never once said, it's just pain. We don't like to talk about this, but sometimes the sounds of Christmas are cries. Aren't you glad that when God looked down on you, not just on mankind, but on you, he heard your cries. He saw that all you've gone through and are going through. He didn't say, suck it up, Nancy. Quit your belly aching. He didn't say, my diagnosis is, it's just pain. No, no, a thousand times no. Our Lord of love felt every twinge and cringe with you. He cried over you and cared enough to do something about it. He didn't ignore you or just observe you. He laid aside his glory and crawled into skin to be with you and to say, I will be your Emmanuel. God with them through it all. Through it all. I love you that much. I will walk with you in the midst of joys and pain. I'll bear it for you. He was saying, I hear you the night that love came down. That's the sound the Lord heard. He heard you. Listen for the sounds of Christmas, even in the ordinary, just as the shepherds did. The second set of characters were the angels, and I have that represented with this flute, the sound of worship. The angels remind us of the sound of worship. Angel means messengers, and they were relaying the message of the ages. The salvation of mankind is finally here. Interestingly enough, there was no salvation offered to the angels when a third of them were cast out of heaven with Satan's fall. Mankind is the only ones who receive salvation. First, there was one angel, then a multitude, and this wasn't the fluffy gauze and glitter and glue type. These were mighty warrior armies, paradoxically announcing peace. The sky blazed with light as the Shekinah glory shone. The angelic appearance was so spectacular, it set those tough shepherds a-trembling. And the sound... Oh, the sound of the angels' proclamations rung over the countryside into all of history. They spoke of the glory, which is the visible sign of God's transcendent majesty and goodness. His glory could now be seen. Isn't that amazing? And what was heard? 
glory to God in the highest. Say that with me. Glory to God in the highest. That's what the angels were proclaiming over and over. All glory is due him. No one else could have pulled off this rescue mission, not even the angels, and they knew it. And they didn't take the glory, they freely gave it. Not to Mary, not to Joseph, but to God. Listen for the sounds of Christmas in heartfelt worship. Let it resonate and stir up worship in your own heart. That's a sound that goes far beyond sweet reminiscence. It ripples on, reverberates through all history. The third set of characters are Mary, Joseph, and the baby. And it's represented by this burlap cloth. And it's the sound of family. Mary was in a place in her life that wasn't making any room for her. No room for the miraculous in the minds of her neighbors. No room for reason that a nine-month pregnant woman would even be asked to take a 70-mile trek on a donkey. No room for her privacy or bare necessities. It was a tough place. But catch this. She was highly favored. If you flip back just one chapter to chapter 1, verse 28, it tells us explicitly that she was highly favored. But her circumstances didn't show it. It looked like anything but. This is proof that our circumstances, our blessings or lack of blessings, aren't measures of what God thinks of you. When things are tough, we wrongly jump to the conclusion that we're not favored, that somehow God is against us. You're more favored than you'll ever know. Verse 14 says, um, goodwill to men on whom his favor rests. And at first I thought, well, wait a minute. Maybe his favor only rests on a few. But the more I studied and the more I read, it's so not true. Ephesians 1 and many other places tell us that all who are saved are highly favored, highly graced. It's not just for a select few, all who know him. And even the bookends of Jesus' life on earth, they were born amongst the animals, died amongst the, um, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. Thieves. Criminals, thieves, thank you. So those are the bookends of his life. And what was in the middle? A lot of hurt, a lot of pain. So, and yet he was the most favored person of all time. And yet we somehow think, if everything doesn't go smoothly, that we're not favored. This proves that that's not true. We are highly favored. So if you expect royal treatment and ever end up in a manger, you can know you're still favored and his peace can rest on you. You can ponder these things in your heart like Mary did. So turn to somebody near you and say, you are favored. You got to say it with a little more gusto or they're not going to believe you. Boy, I give you guys an inch and you take a mile. Wow. 
The family was found in Bethlehem, not in a palace, not in a political arena, not at a baby gap, but wrapped in swaddling clothes similar to burlap. And how incredible this is. 40 times in scripture it talks about how Jesus was this gift for us. And yet this magnificent gift came wrapped in lowly burlap. And that happens today. For example, when the word of the Lord is given to us, but maybe it's brought by an imperfect person, because it's wrapped in a person who's rough around the edges, we disregard it. Be careful, or you can miss it. Because sometimes the glory of God comes in a burlap wrapper. Sometimes the glory of God comes in a burlap wrapper. Everyday lowly things. There were many other paradoxes that night. The fullness of God emptied himself. The creator became creature. The ruler of all became a subject, and the bread of life was fed by a teenager. The omnipotent became weak for us. The omniscient submitted to being taught, and the omnipresent allowed himself to be corralled into a stable. For mankind, fear gave way to joy. Despair bloomed into hope. Peace replaced anxiety, mercy overtook justice, and the old became new. Somebody give a shout. Somebody get excited about what God did. Trepidation melted into anticipation. Mourning turned to dancing as the impossible became possible. Evil was overtaken by goodness and darkness blazed with the light that first Christmas. It's good news that 400 years of God's silence that we were talking about, when it was broken, it wasn't broken with a gentle little prelude. It was broken with clashing, crashing cymbals, just breaking through in a crescendo of the birth of the long-awaited one. He's finally here. Guys, it's Christmas. He's finally here. Praise him. Praise him. In the very instant of his birth, everything on earth changed. That's a bold statement, but it's true. The world would never be the same. You may say, but there's still bad things on earth. Yes, there are. But a death blow has been dealt to death in all its cohorts. Christmas was the grand entrance of all that's good and the beginning of the end of all that's bad. It was a new day. It was a new day. Just as a huge tree, once cut off from its roots, takes time to finish falling, but the tree is dead nonetheless. This babe was said to be the rising and falling of many. That's many people, but there were also other things that rose and fell with him. What fell? Curses and chaos. The collar of slavery was cut. The chains of sin smashed. 
Glass ceilings began to crack. Shards of iniquity began to fall. Walls of hatred crumbled. Masks dropped. Lies were uncovered so truth could reign. Give them praise. Depression and illness were put on notice. Violence had its authority removed and racism and prejudice had the legs cut from under them. Envy, murder, and strife were sent fleeing. Limitations shriveled up. Greed was made a laughingstock and oppression ceased. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What rose up? Joy, mercy, goodwill, provision overtook need, despair was drained of its power, and hope was infused. Relationships were bridged, man and God reconciled, and the languishing came alive, and the lonely were enfolded in the quilt of the family of God. Have you heard about my God? He's my wonderful counselor who guides me when I'm lost. He's the everlasting father to the fatherless. He's the mighty God far above all the things that want to be God in our lives. He's the prince of peace for the hairy. Do you know him? He came as the greatest gift to meet our deepest needs. He came as the greatest gift to meet your deepest needs. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you hear the sounds of Christmas? Hallelujah. The fourth and last set of characters in the Christmas story are represented by this mirror, you and I, and the quiet sound of reflection. What does all this mean for me, and how do I fit into the Christmas story? Verse 18 said, And all who heard it were amazed. They were amazed, but they had a decision to make, how to respond. There were three different responses back then. Some were like Herod that outright opposed Jesus. His throne was threatened, so he decided to kill him, just cut Christ right out of Christmas. That's the first response, oppose Jesus. The second one, some of the people and the religious leaders dismissed Jesus, saying, I don't need him. I've got this. So they dismissed him. And the third response was worship. Different forms of worship. We heard all different forms in the different characters we've studied the last few weeks in the Christmas story. They all were different. Prophecy, worship, all these different things, but they were all forms of worship. It's the same today. People either oppose Jesus or they dismiss him, or they worship him. One of the three. So what'll be your response? A response is needed, because here's the thing. As delightful as it was, we can't just stay as children at the foot of a Christmas tree. Because as wonderful as that time was, as much as it brought the Christmas story alive to my heart. I still was on the outside looking in. You can do that. You can just stay there. It's just a nice story and nice things happen. Or we can make the effort to cross over, to grow up in the things of the Lord, to come closer to the manger and say, 
I'm not just on the outside looking in. I'm part of this story. See, this story isn't complete without you. You have to make the effort to come close and to look at the manger, have that time of reflection, and say, you know what? That manger represents my heart. That I have a decision to make, whether I'm going to make room for the Lord, whether I'm going to invite him in, or if I'm just going to stay on the outside looking in just kind of perusing history. This story isn't the same without you. This isn't just about historical characters. He came for you. What he wants for Christmas is to hear the sound of your, yes, Lord, be born in me. Be born in me. See, you may have been like Herod in the past where you opposed him in some way. Or you may have been like those who just dismissed him before. I think I've got this on my own. But now you've come to realize, I need Jesus. He is the bridge between me and the Father. And you're ready to lay all that down and worship him. So if that's you, I'm asking you to take a bold step. He did an amazing thing for you to come here for you. But if you'd like to take that step of saying, my heart is open to the Lord Jesus, and I'm inviting him in, would you just raise your hand? Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. The Lord sees that. And even those of you who already know him and are recommitting, he honors that. Whenever we take a step towards him, he honors that. And he comes running in his fatherly way to embrace you and receive you. He's so blessed by this step. Let's pray together. Lord, you see these steps of faith. You see these ones who raise their hands. We know that you receive all who come to you. Everyone, let's pray. Please say this after me. Let's pray together aloud. Lord Jesus, I invite you into the manger of my heart. I put away my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. I put you in charge of my life. I'm stepping over a line tonight. I'm trusting you. I'm receiving your salvation. When you did that, the deal is sealed. You can say to him, I'm yours and you're mine. Alleluia. Praise the Lord. Do you, do you know the word says that when one comes to him, all of heaven rejoices. Today, all of heaven rejoices. And for those of you that already know him, keep asking him, Lord, what do you have for me this year?
And if you're one of the ones who said for the first time, I want to take Jesus into my heart, just as the manger is receiving Jesus, if you did that for the first time, there's gonna be people up front at the end, and we ask you to please come and pray with them. They're non-threatening, they won't bite, and they can help show you how to walk out that commitment. Isn't God good? He alone is worthy of our worship. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at joycc.info.